Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Jesus got up, left that place, and went to the region of Tyre, where he took up residence in a house he didn't want anyone to know, but it wasn't possible for him to remain hidden. On the contrary, news of him at once reached a woman who had a young daughter with an unclean spirit. She came and threw herself down at his feet. She was Greek, a cryophoenician by race, and she asked him to cast a demon out of her daughter. Let the children eat what they want first, said Jesus. It's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Well, master, she said, even the dogs under the table eat the crumbs that the children drop. Well said, replied Jesus. Off you go. The demon has left your daughter. So she went home and found the child lying on the bed and the demon gone. Jesus went away from the region of Tyre through Sidon, round toward the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Ten Towns. They brought him to a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment and asked that they would lay his hands upon him. Jesus took the man off in private, away from the crowd. He put his fingers into his ears, spat, and touched his tongue. Then he looked up to heaven, and he groaned and said, Epasala, that is, be opened. Immediately the man's ears were opened, and his tongue untied, and he spoke clearly. Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone, but the more he ordered them, the more they spread the news. They were totally ast astonished. Everything he does is marvelous, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. The Gospel of the Lord. Okay, come on in. Don't be shy. Come on. They may ask you some questions, but that's okay. You know the answers. Okay, so in this story, actually there's two stories, isn't there? There's one about a lady, and there's one about a man. Okay. Um, and this lady doesn't come to Jesus for herself. Who does she come to Jesus for? Her daughter, right. So she comes to Jesus asking for healing for her daughter. And Jesus does that. Now in the second story, we have a man who is deaf, okay? So he hasn't heard the word of, of Jesus. He doesn't even know about Jesus' mission. So he, who brings him? Who brings him to, to Jesus? Do you remember? Okay, friends, yeah. It doesn't say exactly who. But friends bring him, okay? So in these two cases, the person that needed the healing didn't come to Jesus, did they? It was their friends, and in one case, the mother, that brought, that brought the, um, uh, the person who needed healing. So we've just started school, haven't we? Yeah. And there might be some new kids in school that are kind of shy and off to their side, to the side, and not really have any friends yet. 
and whether they're there now, but they might be there, you know, throughout the year. But I want you to keep your eye out for them. And because Jesus lives in us, as we talked about before, and he is very compassionate, when we see that, either go up and sit with them or invite them into your crowd to sit with you, introduce them around, okay? Make them feel wanted and included. And the other thing we can do, what's the language we use when we want to talk to Jesus? Do you remember? Hmm? Pray, that's right. And if we see something, uh, we have a friend or a family member that's sad or needs to know about Jesus, we can pray about that. And we can bring that person before Jesus in prayer. Do you believe that? Okay, good. So you go on with Anna Lynn, and you'll learn more about that. And now, God, open my mouth so that I can speak. Open our ears so that we can hear and open our hearts so that we can change by your power and through your grace. Amen. Please be seated. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. We all know what it is, so it really doesn't make any sense to avoid it. I find in these situations it's best to just confront things head on, no matter how difficult or complicated it might be. We might not really want to. In fact, many of us probably just want to skip right over it and pretend like it never happened and just go on the way we were before we heard it. But I don't think we can. If we're going to learn anything today, we have to put it right on the table. So here goes. Yes, Jesus just called the woman in our gospel passage a dog. Now, before you think I'm just trying to be funny or perhaps scandalous, I want to ask you to reflect on that for a minute. Jesus, our Jesus just called someone who came to him for help a dog. How can that be? And not only did Jesus just call her a dog, but Mark is telling us about it. I mean, I really think that Mark may need to take some PR classes if he thinks that this paints Jesus in a good light. What's going on here? It's like everything we know is upside down and Quite honestly, Jesus sounds like kind of a jerk. He doesn't 
sound like the calm, cool, collected Jesus I grew up seeing in pictures in my grandparents' houses, the one with the knowing expression, all pristine, radiating light and wisdom. You, you know the kind of image of Jesus I'm talking about, right? The, the kind of image that's so clearly based in his divinity that you get the sense that perhaps his feet never even really touched the ground. That Jesus never poured his mother's Chanel number no. five out onto his bedroom floor so it would smell better and then lied and said he had no idea how it happened. I bet he never told his parents that he hated them because they wouldn't let him go to an R-rated movie with the rest of his underage friends. And he probably never responded to a homeless person asking for money by saying, go get a job. The Jesus in those pictures knows everything before it happens. That Jesus is never crabby or tired. He never makes a mistake. That Jesus goes to the cross and never blinks an eye or has a moment of fear. He has it all under control. That Jesus is perfect. All of that makes me wonder if Mark is giving us this really unfortunate view of Jesus, there must be something he wants us to see and understand about Jesus and likely about ourselves, but what? Well, if we look at the setting and what exactly is going on, we might find some answers. What we know is that Jesus has traveled a long distance, presumably to get away for some alone time, even from his disciples, since there's no mention of them in this passage. He goes into a house, hoping he can keep his whereabouts quiet, likely because the man just needs a break from all that's been going on. After all, he's been busy feeding and healing and helping the sick and afflicted, teaching at every turn. Not only that, he knows that those with the power have started to turn against him and is probably still dealing with being rejected by the people of his own hometown. To say he's had a lot going on would be an understatement. So the Jesus we meet in today's gospel is not a perfect version of Jesus. Perfectly groomed, soft-spoken, well mannered and serene. The Jesus we get today is tired, crabby, perhaps a bit anxious and kind of wanting to shut the world out. And here comes this Syrophoenician woman and she has other plans for him. How many of you have ever had a moment where you just needed to be left alone? Whatever was going on, you just needed not to be bothered. And someone comes along and just won't let you be, and you kind of snap. In the best of circumstances, we have our controls in place, right? We think before we speak. We motivate from compassion. We make time for those around us that need us. But when things get 
tight, when we feel like our back may be against the wall or the water is too hot to handle, all of that goes out the window and we often respond with an unvarnished, unconsidered response that's usually way more about where we are than where the other person is. So here comes this interloper intruding on Jesus' time to recharge. Here, we must also consider that this is not just any interloper. She's a woman, and she's a Gentile. She persists in making her case to Jesus without any regard for his headspace, if she even knew or cared about it, because her daughter's life depended on it. And the response she gets from the man who socializes with tax collectors and prostitutes, the man who just defended his friends for eating with unclean hands, the man who heals and feeds, says, I'm not here for you. I don't give my stuff away to the dogs. Now, scholarship tells us he's referring to his mission to serve the chosen people of Israel, and we could stop here and start trying to explain or justify why Jesus calls her a dog so that we can stay safe in our image of Jesus' perfection. We could try to water this down to make it less shocking, but I don't think that is what Mark wants us to focus on. I say this because what happens next in this exchange literally makes all the difference. This woman could have turned around and, and said, excuse me, did, did you just call me a dog? I'm pretty sure that's what I would have said and then promptly turned around and walked out and had a few choice words that I shouldn't say in church for Jesus on the way out. But she is not me. And in fact, in this moment, she seems to model more of Jesus than Jesus does. Her calm, heartfelt, and thought-provoking response reminds Jesus that even the dogs end up getting fed from the table, the table at which so much of Jesus' mission is realized. And with that, Jesus gets the proverbial slap in the face that he kind of deserves for his response. And her words serve as a kind of wake-up call for us too. What gets put front and center here is Jesus' humanity, and quite honestly, we don't really want to look at that very often. We're so accustomed to seeing Jesus as the great teacher who sees and knows all that we forget that even he could stand to learn a thing or two. This is the only time in all of Scripture that Jesus gets one-upped by someone. I don't think it's an accident that it's a woman. I don't think it's an accident that she's a Gentile. And I don't think it's an accident that the lesson she teaches is a critical reminder that nobody is outside of the love of God or more entitled to God's compassion and healing than anyone else. The fact that Jesus needed to be reminded of this shouldn't come as such a surprise. After all, 
Who here hasn't had to be reminded at one point or another of our, that our call as beloved children of God is to love one another? In fact, we seem to need to be reminded of that over and over and over again. So it seems reasonable to me that Jesus would need that too. You see, I think what Mark is trying to do by giving us this story here is to get us to look at Jesus' humanity so that by recognizing it in Him, we might also recognize it in ourselves. It's easy for us to justify being less than our best selves and being less honorable, less loving, less compassionate, less forgiving than Jesus by saying things like, well, I'm not Jesus. But the truth is, I am. You are. We all are. And if we stop at the justification and don't try to move beyond that, then we miss one of the most critical aspects of the Incarnation. God became manifest in human form and lived among us so that we would know that God knows the human condition from the inside, not just as some outside observer. To model for us what it looks like to move from darkness to light, from avoidance towards acceptance, from fear towards hope. Not how to start perfect and stay perfect. If we refuse to see that Jesus struggled, that he got it wrong sometimes, that he got angry or scared and had good and bad moments, or that sometimes what he needed more than anything was someone to teach him before his eyes could be open and his heart could change, then we risk robbing the incarnation of its power because we render Jesus unattainable. I think right now it's also helpful to remember that later in Mark's gospel we will find a very human Jesus in Gethsemane, distressed and agitated, asking God to find another way to spare him from the cross, if at all possible. And who can really blame him? Who would choose that? My friends, we've stepped into a wilderness time in the life of our community that we didn't choose. A time where many facets of the human experience are being brought to the surface and we're all experiencing a range of very human emotions. To our, today our gospel calls us to see the humanity in those around us and to recognize it in ourselves as a means of loving our neighbor, extending a compassionate hand, showing up for the struggles of those around us, no matter who they are or what they're going through. It's a call to open our eyes and our hearts to the fact that we all 
fall short sometimes. We all have the capacity to be less than perfect. We need to see that in ourselves and in each other because not doing it only leads to separation. We may never know all of someone else's journey or why they do and say the things that they do, but many of us may know what it's like to be broken or scared or let down or hopeless. We may even think we know all the answers, but the truth is there's always something new for us to learn. And by being open to that, we may be able to find compassion for the struggle of others. So come to this table today with all of your humanity, whatever it looks like. Come knowing that everyone is welcome at this table. Those who get it right and those who falter. Those who rejoice and those who grieve. Those who are devout in their faith and those who doubt and meet Jesus here. Come with your whole heart and trust in God who loves you beyond all measure to meet you here and feed you. And when you leave this table, take the mercy that's been shown to you and pay it forward to everyone that crosses your path. Everyone. That, my friends, that's life. That's love. That is how we will make it through the wilderness.